Okay. Lucas has been saying you've been doing a series or a set of teachings or been looking at maturity as a congregation. We've been going to, into a couple of aspects of what Christian maturity is. And I'm wanting to just unpack one aspect of Christian maturity to us today. And it's a, it's a, it's a fruit, it's, it's a mark of maturity. And that is that of peace. Okay, one of the marks of maturity in the believer is that of peace. And if you look at Philippians 4, 4 to 7, a verse taken out of a whole body of a letter. You know, Paul wrote the whole of Philippians and had a whole lot to say. But at the end of Philippians, in 4, verse 4 to 7, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, remembering, of course, that he wrote it in prison, with, with not knowing whether he was going to live or whether he was going to die there, he encourages other believers to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I just want to look at this one thing of, of peace and that, that Paul actually says that that is our inheritance as believers. And if one looks at just so many of the characters in the Bible, all of them had enough reason not to live at peace. I mean, person after person after person in the Bible had a load of reasons why their peace should have been upset. They should have none of it. But you see, time and time again, a mark of those who stayed close to God was to live in that life of peace. Yeah, Paul himself in prison, a lot of reasons. All the creature comforts of this world were, had been removed from him, and he's writing to others, like to rejoice. And, you know, the peace of God will fill your heart and mind. And certainly... Uh, you know, there's been enough reasons, there always are, but with COVID, a lot of reasons to mess up our peace. I mean, we've had this year, we're, we're forgetting about it, although we've still got the masks that are reminded, but we're forgetting about the quarantining, the isolation, you know, that we've had to do, the lockdowns, the absolute mayhem there's been, and carnage has been in business, in the economic world, so much to upset our peace. Uh, even in, in the recent Right now, the passing of, of Will Marie, it might have upset some of our peace as well. Like, what does this say? What does this mean? You know, um, even with, we've heard, we had the privilege of sitting with Pam uh, and the family on Friday night, Pam Marie, and one of the things she was saying about Will is that just before he passed away, he, she had a moment herself where she, her peace was not there. She had she didn't have peace about this whole situation, about the fact that he may not make it. He may not get healed. He may not be around anymore. And in a moment where she was normally very strong and would kind of be quite self-sufficient and, you know, be saying to Will, it's okay, God's my provider and God will, God's got me. She was like, but I don't want you to go. And she could see he was going, I'm ready, you know, to be with the Lord. I'm fighting, but I'm also ready, you know. And then she was, she said, she said to Will, I don't want you to go. I'm, I'm not ready for you to go. Like, you know, what will, who will look after me? Who will look after me if you go, if you leave me? And she said, well, in all his pain, 
in the, in the, in the pain that he was in, in the, in the physical pain, just looked at her and said, the Lord will. The Lord will. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? So in a moment where her peace was completely up and down, you know, and, and actually not there, he reminds her again, the Lord will. And for all of us, I mean, our peace is at threat at any point in time. Any point in time. It can, it can go in a moment. I mean, I remember uh, even just, I mean, it just so many examples. I, I remember driving in my car once, and the, uh, my administrator phones me, and the finances weren't so good in the life of the church. It was a good couple of years ago. She phones me and says, man, Dad, I just want you to know, I know the, the finances haven't been in a good place, but we've had some, like, it's looking good. Like, the, the finances are in a good place. And I remember just opening my window, had some worship on, and I said, God is good all the time. Na-na-na-na. Put a song of praise in this heart of mine. I've been in the car, I'm like, yeah, God, you're so good. And, you know, we, we put on the phone, and the next minute she phones me back, says, Brad, uh, you know, I read the numbers all wrong. <laughs> Actually, we, I thought we were like X amount in the surplus. Like we're actually way down. We're not going to be able to pay salaries. I'm like, yeah. The music's still sort of playing in the background. God, he's good. And I'm just riding in my car. <laughs> and it's like the Lord just said to me, you know, why, why were you worshiping me with such joy in the first place? Like, you know, that in the moment when you could see me and who I was, well, was it, what were you really seeing? You know, were you seeing the numbers being good and therefore God was good? Or were you seeing God is good? Like, boom, end of story. You know, is God being good dependent upon where things are economically? Is God being good dependent upon whether I'm physically well or not? Is God good whether my relationships are all intact or not? God is always, always good. And we've, Christian maturity is about carrying the peace of God in our lives, no matter what situation we're in. I love the fact that Paul starts and ends most of his letters in the New Testament with grace and peace be are yours in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace are the magnificent two. It's a lovely preach on that one. But grace and peace, the magnificent two together, they go hand in hand. Why? Because grace, when we receive grace in God, I mean, if you want to receive grace from anybody, that being unmerited favor, you want to receive it from God because he has everything at his disposal. And so when God gives you grace, peace naturally follows suit. Peace is right behind there to, to, to come and bring satisfaction to yourselves, to bring an ease to ourselves, to, 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 uh, to inside, to what's going on inside. And uh, this is how the Lord wants us, wants us to live. One, two, there we go. This place where we are aware of God. You know, when Jesus says, you know, do not be worried about the things in Matthew chapter 6, right? He says, do not be worried about what you will eat and what you will drink, what you will wear. For the, for the pagans worry about these things. What he's saying is the, those who don't know God worry about these things. He says, do you not know your heavenly Father is faithful to clothe? If he's faithful to clothe the lilies of the field, you know, if he's faithful to give food to the birds of the air, like, how much more not you? You know, he's, he's, 
And you know, this verse we read in, in Philippians 4, how do we live in peace of God? It's, he says, let your reasonableness be made known to all. There's a reasoning, there's a logic to our peace. The logic is in God. As we place our logic and our reasonableness in who God is, it results in peace because when you know he's the maker of the universe and he's your father and you're his child, well, then he has all things at his disposal. disposal. And as we pray and know he has our prayers, it's a reasonableness. You say, well, God is my father. And Jesus himself said, if your earthly father is evil, knows how to give you good gifts, how much more not your father in heaven? who is good and perfect. So you reason in your mind with, okay, that's who my father is now. It's Father God, who's far better than any good, good earthly father. Therefore, it's going to be okay. So, you know, you young guys as well, when you're heading towards somebody that you might like and love and you believe this is the person God's got for you, that happened with me with, with my wife 23 years ago. I knew she was the one. She just didn't know it yet. So when I went to her the first time, I said, and, she, and I risked it because we were really good friends. We were good friends for a long time already. I was like, um, and she was giving me all the signals that I knew indicated that she liked me. She was besotted with me, clearly. I could see it. She liked being with me and spending time with me. And then I risked it. I said, I, I like you a lot. She said, I like you, but not that way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then what, what, did, you know, what did that do to my peace? Absolutely wrecked it. Because now I'm confused. You know, where's God? You know, I mean, I thought I was reading things right. Now I'm not reading things right anymore. You know, maybe, and start doubting the Lord, start doubting myself. But I have to go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and, and work how do we get into peace there? Reasonableness. Get into the scripture. This has got to start the scripture, man, is, is where I get to know who God is and the character of God. And as I put my trust in the life-giving word of God and say, Lord, okay, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord, Brad, with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. He will make your path straight. So, okay. Lord, if it's not Angela, then it's going to be somebody awesome. Because then, I mean, I can't even imagine who you're going to give me. And so then I get the peace again. All right, cool, but I'm gonna, she's still open to be friends. Okay, cool. I'll keep, keep the doors open. I'll keep walking because I don't see anything else. I think. <laughs> Go to again. Same story. Again. <laughs> she booted me three times. And all three times I lost my peace like crazy. I remember the one time when she said, no, I don't, I don't like you like that. I, yeah, I tell you, I... I, I Found a friend. I said, we've got to get, a, get out of here. And we went off to, a, <laughs> to another friend, a farm. And spent like three days trying to get my peace. Because I lost it entirely. And eventually got to the, I mean, this is 20, 24 years ago, I'm telling you. Got to this place of, if God, God, you are my father. And you know what is good for me. And so I've tried, I still think she's the one. But if she's not. Well, first of all, you've got to show her because I can't show her. And Lord, if she's, I'm not going to force her. I can't say, well, the Lord, give me a prophetic word. You are mine. And then we move into manipulation, control. Hey, we, we, we're trying to take charge. And like, hey, 
you know, haven't you heard all the prophetic words to you? Or, you are my wife. You just got to wake up and see it. No, I mean, you can't say that. Then, well, I couldn't say that. And so I had to go and battle with the Lord. Say, Father, you, you are my God. And if, if she is the one, Lord, then you will bring her around. But otherwise, you know, I need to trust in you. And so we've got a ton of other examples that we can all give. Things that, that upset our peace. The national news, internal news, loss of jobs, things said about us, targets at work. I remember in, in, in business, it was the most stressful time when you've got to do your quarterly report and you haven't hit your targets. And all the sales reps pitch up at the sales meeting and you've got your national sales manager standing there and he's going to flash up your province's results. And you know you haven't hit target by a long way. And for me, honestly, I would see the people around me completely, completely stressed. And honestly, for me, I would just go, it's in God's hands. Not because I'm a slack worker. If my boss asks me why you didn't hit the budget, I'm going to tell him why. I'm going to tell him who I called on, where I think I lost the sales, why I think I lost the sales, where I think I can get the sales. So it's not that I'm slack and just going, oh, well, God's just got my life in my hands. I've got peace. No, I've done what I need to do. I've figured out what I need to do. I've figured out where I can meet the target next month and why I didn't meet it this month and give a good answer. Beyond that, I cannot worry. Because beyond what I've done in my best to do, with, with all the resources that I have that God's given me, I can't worry about what he's going to say in front of everybody, if he's going to belittle me, if he's going to say, you haven't met budget again, you're a slack worker, blah, blah. And, and that's how guys get control over you. And get you to be... They get your spirit into a place where you're messed up. But we've got to learn as believers. And I would see other believers. We had an, there's another, one or two other believers in our sales company of sales guys. Completely, their whole world is upside down at those sales meetings. And even when they've hit target, but they haven't hit it as the boss wanted it, 20% over. We've got to learn to find the peace of God and walk in peace. That is Christian, Christian maturity. And it's a matter of logic as well, of reasonableness, working out what the scriptures say about God, and then putting our faith and trust in that, and resting in the Lord. One of the things that oppose peace, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just share on this a little bit, is busyness. Busyness. A guy by the name of Michael Zigarelli, okay, he did a, 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 a growth survey, on the obstacles to like Christian maturity. And he did a study on 20,000 Christians across the world. So not just in America, across the world. 20,000 Christians. And he identified one of the major reasons for a loss of peace in the Christian life is distraction. and busy, oh, Sorry, is busyness. Busyness. So one of the things that oppose peace is like I said, when our logic, we don't rest it in the Lord, and busyness. And I just want to point out a couple of things here that, that may actually strike a chord for you. Ten symptoms, and I, I also want to just give credit to a book. Let me just uh, do that. It's by a guy by the name of John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Harry. John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Harry. So I've got some of this stuff from him that I'm about to read now. John Mark Comer. Okay. So some of the symptoms of, of, 
of being in a hurry and therefore a loss of peace. Irritability, you get annoyed very quickly. Hypersensitivity, all it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings and for things to escalate quickly. Restlessness, when you do slow down, you can't relax. You read the scripture, but you find it boring. You have a quiet time, but can't focus. You watch TV, but you're on your phone at the same time. Workaholism, you just don't know when to stop, or worse, you can't stop. All right? Emotional numbness, you don't have capacity to feel someone else's pain. Out of order priorities, you feel disconnected from your identity and calling, always getting sucked into the urgent and not the important. So it's, your life is reactive rather than proactive. Lack of care for your body, you don't have enough time for the basics of good night, daily exercise, healthy home-cooked food. All right, regularly wake up tired. <laughs> Slippage of spiritual disciplines, so you miss quiet times, no prayer. No proper Sabbath and worship on a Sunday. Well, you're all here, so that's great. Um, a meal with church community, loving others. All right. So escapist behaviors. You're too tired what is actually giving life to your souls and nourishing you. So and that also manifests in, in binge watching Netflix, browsing social media, um, surfing websites, etc., etc. And lastly, isolation. Like you feel disconnected from God and from your own soul. Most of us would think the solution to this is just more time. It's not necessarily more time. Funny thing is, often if we just give, give ourselves more time, we do more time in the things we shouldn't be doing. You know, the solution, friends, is to live in more peace and extract ourselves, in a sense, from business, is to look at Jesus, look at him. And I don't have a lot of time to go into this, so I'm just going to tackle this as a, as a word from the Lord to walk in peace. He's, peace is our inheritance. But Jesus was actually really busy. And if you look at a busy life, I was just flicking through Mark this morning, just, just reading Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3, Mark 4, Mark 5, Mark 6, Mark 7. It's actually just crazy how often Jesus was crowded out by people. He was so busy, it says at least twice, I might have missed one or two, that he was so busy that people were so much around him that he couldn't even eat. So he missed his meals because people were pressing in on his life. So he, he knows what it's like to be busy. Um, there's things like this. His fame spread everywhere, Mark one twenty eight, Mark one thirty two says the whole city was gathered at the door. I mean, imagine the whole city gathered at, at your door. <laughs> I mean, it was a smaller city, but I mean, it's still a lot of people gathered at the door of Jesus. Mark 1.45 says that Jesus could no longer openly enter, the, enter a town because people were coming to him from every quarter. So he could just no longer rock up at a town because he was like Justin Bieber, you know what I mean? He couldn't have, like, he couldn't go anywhere without people saying, that's him, that's him, that's Jesus. A great crowd, Mark 5, 24, followed him and thronged about him. But you never see Jesus busy. You don't get this thing. And if you watch this, The Chosen, Jesus is always stuck, got this. He's just got this. How he walks, how he cruises around, it's because he abided, he abided in the Lord. He, he stayed close to the Lord, to God. Because busyness is not just a schedule. It's a disordered heart. See, you can be busy, but not busy. 
You can be doing a lot of things, but not busy because your heart is ordered. It's where your heart is, is going. It's where your mind is going in those places of busyness that really, that really is telling. And that is what God wants us to deal with, is to get that clutter out of our hearts. And I want to give just a few quick pointers, and I'm not going to go over them long, but some of the ways, and this is from this guy's book, that we can get to that place of peace and get eradicate that busyness, that sense of busyness and clutter, and live in that spiritual, mature fruit of peace. The one thing we need to do is accept limitations. And this is not a nice thing to preach on. To be honest, it's actually quite uncomfortable for me to share it because I'm like, you know, the, the thing you want to be telling people to do as leaders is like, grow into your potential, move into more, take on, you know, there's just more for you, always. <laughs> but there's actually a reality to accepting your limitations to walk in peace. And if you don't know what I mean, I mean, there's a ton of examples, but even the one I've given now about financial budgets. Once you've accepted your limitation, you've said, I've done all I can. I've worked as hard as I can, or, and I've worked with, or, when I say as hard as I can, even while keeping the other balances of my family in check, and that's it. That's my limitation. But if you don't accept that limitation, if you always feel like you're under the hammer and that you're not doing enough all the time, you're not going to live in peace. You've got to accept your human limitations. You've got to have X amount of hours per sleep, uh, per night of sleep. You've got to wake up. You've got to be present to your wife, present to your family. You've got to do all these things. To, if you, you've got to be quick to accept those things. Otherwise, you always feel like you, some sort of super, you've got to be a superhuman. You're not a superhuman. You can only be in one place at one time. And I think that's also where sometimes Facebook doesn't help. Because you're not accepting your limitations of, being, of where you can be and where you need to be, and you feel like you need to be in everybody's business. I can't be in everybody's business. In fact, sometimes, I find, for, for me, I am on Facebook from time to time, although I'm very limited. I post my own thing and get off as quickly as possible, like a few things and off. Because if I hear about one person's, another, this death, that death, this death, it's almost like I'm living too fast sometimes. I'm living beyond what my limitation is. Right now, I can feel a heck of a lot for, for, for something, for someone, even Will. It's been very, very difficult news for me. And there's a, you've got to know what your limitation is. You've got to know where that limitation is. You can't just keep feeding, feeding yourself with more and more information. You have to stop and contemplate, accept your limitations, your giftings. You know, the reality is we're not all the same even in terms of giftings. You've got to accept your gift. And what I mean, the Bible does say we must uh, desire, earnestly desire the greater gifts, right? It says that we must desire them. Yes? Paul says to Timothy, you must fan into flame the gift that's in you. So that requires effort. Yeah, absolutely. But you must also accept the Bible says he gave gifts to some. He also gave as he determined and as he willed. Like, and as he apportioned. Jesus says some were given five, three, and one. You've also got to accept, hey, I've been given one, and I'm going to be faithful that one, as opposed to one of the greatest things with not accepting limitations is we're always longing to be like someone else, somebody else. And uh, that's often the thing that upsets our peace. Ex yeah, oh, man, there's much to say there. So how do we get into the peace, accept our limitations? Next thing we need to do, one of the, some tools, is to make sure we're practicing silence and solitude. 
put those things together, that we're practicing a lifestyle of being with God, taking time out. And if you look at Jesus, in amongst all, if you read specifically Mark, in amongst all his comings and goings, he sought solitude places. He went to desolate places. He went to wilderness places. It's funny, even there sometimes the crowds found him. But he was seeking them out. So he wasn't just letting life happen to him. He was going to his source, to the Father, and taking time out. And in Mark 1, it says he rose very early in the morning. In Matthew 3, it says he was led into the desert to be alone. Um, So silence and solitude are also two different things. I mean, being alone and also just being silent with God. Yeah, this is becoming a rarer and rarer thing for us in 2021. Because wherever we go, we're taking these things with us, right? And especially our phones. We need to learn that silence and solitude is with our phones on flight mode or upside down or in another room. And let me say one thing about that. My son, and maybe, you know, he's 18 years old. He can do whatever he wants with his phone, actually. I mean, we haven't told him. I think initially when, when we, he got a phone at about 13 years old, we said you can't take your phone into your room. But it's something he still does. He comes into the public area, into the kitchen. He looks at his phone in the kitchen and in the lounge, in the dining room, which is public. We've got an open plan house. And then his phone stays there, charging overnight, and he goes to his room. And you'll hear his worship on. You'll hear him spending time with the Lord. He's got no phone, no access to the outside world as he spends time with the Lord. And I'm telling you, that's part of the reason why he's becoming the man he is. You know, he came out of his room on the day that Wilma Ray I'll boast a bit on, on his behalf. But the day that we heard that Wilma Rare had died and the messages, I was having a quiet time. I didn't have my phone on me. I came out at 7 in the morning and then I, or oh, hopper 6, and came and said, Will's just passed away. We were, anyway, it was shock and whatnot and, I mean, just sadness. And then we spent time with the children. Seth had been sleeping late because he had exams. So he came out of his room and we had gone off to drop the children off at school, and I came out to greet him, and he had seen a post on his WhatsApp profile, because he's not on social media. The world has passed. And immediately out of himself came the thing of, Dad, you know what's amazing? Is that Wilma Ray, you know, if you look at a Ravi Zacharias, he didn't finish his race. But Uncle Will finished his race. And I was like, have you read anybody's post about that? Because I'd already seen a couple of posts where people said he's finished his race. He said, no, I just, no, I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> I mean, he's like just unleashed something that's quite profound. It's quite a profound revelation to have had eh, with like no other, no other prompting from anybody else as an 18-year-old. And I'm telling you, that sort of wisdom is coming out of the silence and solitude of just being with God. And God working in him a wisdom that's coming from the throne room of the Lord. And he's a normal man. He's normal, eh? as I am. But we've got to get with the Lord and not feed off somebody else's spirituality, somebody else's latest revelation about God. Get your own revelation with God. Get your own peace from the Lord in your life. There's enough things to worry about every day, you know, and then you still hear about other people's things to worry about. And we haven't properly got peace in ourselves about what God's, what God's got to say about me. Let alone what God's got to say about anybody else. And he's there for you. He's waiting for you. Get with the Lord. 
The other thing that way to move into peace is to practice a Sabbath, like practice a proper day of rest. That's what today is. We come to the Lord in His presence, in worship, and we make sure that this day is not filled with shopping. If you fill a Sunday with just more and more accumulation of stuff and more and more just busyness, what about the proper connect time with our own family when we're already going into a really, really hectic week? But that's um, you know that the, the word Sabbath literally means to stop. Are we stopping in the sense of just really, even God, on the seventh day, rested. He rested from his work. And is there a proper rest day that we are having? And then second last, he said, yeah, I'm not going to go too much longer, is simplicity. How do we wrestle free of, wrestle into peace? And, and away from busyness is to embrace a lifestyle of simplicity. You know what's amazing is where it says, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I find that scripture, I just, until the day I die, I'm going to be thinking about that. So he's saying, the love of money, how can, what can keep us free from the love of money? He says, well, be content with what you have. And then he says, for he has said, never will I leave you or forsake you. So what he's saying is what you have is God. <laughs> so keep your life free from money because you've got God. He's not actually saying keep your life free from money because you've got something. No, he's saying you can have nothing and you've got everything. And then he goes on and he builds on it. He says, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's essentially the place that Will was coming from. When he tells Pam, and in her worry, Pam, she says, who will help me? Who, who, who's going to look after me? And she, he says, the Lord will. It's Hebrews 13, man, and others, but it's Hebrews 13. The Lord will. He's your helper. What can man do to you? God's with you. I just feel that some of us, we're wrestling. We don't have peace because God won't, because we're looking at what we have and what we don't have. We look at what others have and what we don't have. And we need to get into this place of simplicity, of the simpleness of God is enough. He is enough for me. His presence is enough for me. And that's really, really all that matters. He's, he's got this. He has got this. So much of our unhappiness comes from comparing our lives, our friendships, our commitments, our duties, our bodies, and we over idealize the non-Christian vision of things, which falsely assures us there is a heaven on earth when that happens. Isn't that quite a quote, eh? It's also from this book. And that's why Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. It's not just money, it's mammon. It's the things of this world. You, you cannot serve. You need to put your trust, your whole faith in the Lord. And then the peace comes. Christian maturity, friends is to walk with that sense of peace. All is well. It is well with my soul. And Will lived that as well, man. He really did. <laughs> and Pam has lived that. Pam has lived. Will would often speak about Pam. I mean, we, it, was all, it was about honoring Will, but man, what a woman, eh? Will would often say, you don't, get in, you don't interrupt Pam's time with the Lord. You would come and be with her or come and want to chat to her, and she said, can you just leave me alone? I'm spending time with Jesus. And Will often told me of, of Pam, she was, 
She was like a lion over her times with Jesus. She would guard her times. You don't get in the way of her and her time. And that's a testimony of, of a life again, a mature life. A woman who knew and knows still that she needs Jesus. She needs God. You see, we worry about what we worship. We worry about what we, what we worship. And how do we live in simplicity? Draw a circle around your budget. Start saying, I'm going to live in this much. Declutter, not just your garage, but declutter your life. <laughs> but declutter your garage as well. Get rid of some stuff. I challenged the church. I said, why do, we, why do we become known as a church that gives stuff away? Start giving stuff away. If you've normally got it on groups that offer sell, I'm not saying never sell anything, but why don't you try? Rather than sell that next thing on Gumtree, give it to somebody. Give it to, give it to somebody who's in need or just bless somebody with it. To just show, I'm, I'm, I'm ridding myself. There's nothing wrong with selling stuff, guys. I will still be selling stuff on Gumtree. <laughs> but you never give stuff away and let the Lord help us in this thing of simplifying ask yourself the question before I buy what I buy ask yourself what is the true cost of this item see when you buy a bicycle like for example you buy a hardtail those of you who don't know anything about bikes you get bikes with front shocks and, back sh- and front shocks only that's a hardtail then a soft tail is a front shock and a back shock no, I've got, a, I've got a soft tail, by the way. It's a nice one. But you've got to ask yourself, before you buy the soft tail, what is the true cost of this item? You can say, hey, it's kept to have a soft tail, but it's going to cost you double in services. So when we, in order to... No, no, we lose our peace because sometimes we're making decisions that we haven't properly calculated. And then we're sitting with problems, like overbonding, like overdoing our bonds on our houses, and we haven't worked out what the true cost of this house is going to be. And we are the ones who bring the lack of peace. And we say, oh, God, where are you? And he's saying, you did your bond calculations, and you committed to a bond that was right on the edge of your budget. Now God must listen and try and help us out. And you know what he's so gracious? He so often does. But you shouldn't presume upon the Lord or even blame him when things start going wrong for us. So he's, why am I struggling this month, Lord? And you get paid as in, you know, in the way you get paid is in lump sums, and you're meant to plan that for three months, and you spend it all in a month. God's saying, well, you shouldn't have spent it all in a month. You know, and, and so our peace isn't getting upset by anything else than our failure to be simple and to work things out as we should be doing with wisdom. Never impulse buy. Think about what the item will do to the pace of your life? Will it increase the pace of your life? Live by a budget. I remember doing a budget talk once and I was talking about, you know, you know, have a budget and stick. And one of the ladies in the church said, Brad, this is profound. I said, what's profound? Living by a budget. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> it's profound to live by a budget. <laughs> I still rip her off about it. She's in the life of the church. It was about 15 years ago. She's married to a good man now who keeps him to her <laughs> budget. <laughs> Just carry a nausea. She was like sitting there, this is awesome. I was like, what is awesome? A budget. <laughs> She'd never heard of it before. <laughs> Cultivate to be simple, setting yourself free from busyness. Cultivate a deep appreciation for, for creation. Looking at creation and being thankful for it. Okay, and maybe just lastly again, I'm just, we're looking at a Christian mark of maturity is peace. To live in peace, we need to let our reasonableness be made known to all by working out. Because he says, let your 
re- let your reasonableness be made known to all. The Lord is at hand. So he's saying again, God's close to you. God's with you. He's got this. Okay, and then busyness is a major, major factor. Slow down. Well, I haven't got there now, but I mean, Sabbath, simplicity, silence and solitude. And slow down. And this guy in this book um, talks about turning off, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. In other words, turn all the notifications off. Try it. Turn them off. So they don't go ding, 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 ding. And you don't need a quiet time in the phones. Turn your, put, when you with somebody, turn your phone upside down. So you can't see. And then turn your little flash off that goes. It's looking for your attention. Turn the flash off as well. Because if you see that, you're like, whoa, who wonder who's going to be. wonder who it is. You know, I've done a study that average person touches their phone 2,800 times a day. 2,800 times a day, the average person touches their phone. Imagine if you pray 2,800 times a day. Well, you know, pray, or in terms of shoot up a prayer to the Lord about something. God, and, you know, I love the testimonies about Will yesterday. Oh, God, oh, thank you, Lord. Glory, glory. <laughs> you know, Will, you could see that it's a man cultivating, you, cultivating the presence of God. Oh, praise God. You might go, oh, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit overboard. Well, 2,800 times a day on our phones, touching them is overboard. I'd rather be overboard on prayer than overboard on touching my phone and being in touch with the latest. Develop some new habits. Make it a goal to slow down. Slow down. Kill your TV streaming time. Kill it. Take up journaling. Experiment with mindfulness and meditation. You know what's interesting? Okay, I'm going to try in. I'll try in now. Is uh, last year, during lockdown, I mean, look, when, when quarantine, lockdown, everything happened, it was crazy. I mean, it was, like, when I say crazy, it was wild for all of us. And for me, I didn't see it as a holiday at all. <laughs> in fact, we didn't have, we just ramped everything up. So actually, we went into, like, okay, offense mode. We're not on defense. We're going to help the saints as much as possible, stabilize them, and do whatever we can to, to, to blow into people's cells with Jesus and talking about God and testimonies and and I noticed, funnily enough, that actually I had gone to a physio because I had a, a constant um, sore hammy. Like when I went for runs, I couldn't even run two Ks because my hammy would start to like pull. And so I had, had actually gone to like a back clinic, which my medical aid offered me free physio and whatnot. And they'd done stuff on me, like on my, my glutes. You know, they'd been working my glute. And my hammy didn't, didn't release and in the middle of lockdown, my hammy actually sorted itself out. I was like, what? What is going on? Why did it? And, I, and as I began to, um, funnily enough, it was about six weeks in. So after the lockdown thing, and we could start seeing people again in person, I felt my hammy come back, my injury. And in time with the Lord, I was like, what is going on here? And God just said, like the Holy Spirit just showed me, that what I was doing when I was seeing people in person I was carrying an extra tension with seeing people in person. It's funny, like, online it wasn't there. It's very, I don't even know or understand it. Psychology. Somebody can psychoanalyze me sometime. But when I was with, and I'm a peaceful guy. I actually carry the Lord of the, uh, the a peace in my heart a lot. But I realized that there's something about being in person that I was carrying some sort of a deep inner expectation in me to meet something in person that was causing a stress in my 
in Miami. And to this day, I'm aware of it. Even if I'm sitting here now, I'm aware that my hammy will start to go tighter. It's subconscious. And I have to release it. I have to say, I'm conscious of what's happening in my body and have to release prayers to the Lord to say, I release this moment to you, Lord. You know what I'm having to do it every day, many times in the day. I release this moment to you, Lord. In this conversation, this person, I don't know, you know, I've been introduced as apostolic and this and that, and inside I can, there could be this thing, oh, I better be saying something really important right now. <laughs> you know, because I'm apostolic you know, and everything. <laughs> I don't know, that's how, you know, we don't know what's going on all the time, even in the background in our hearts, and I have to go, okay, Lord, this is all about, it's all about you. So I release it. So what, what I must practice slowness. How do you get into peace of God? Be aware of what's going on in your body. It actually is a, is a suck. Um, it's, it's, a, it's something that they're finding more and more now in psychology, that it's a way to actually recognize that there's stress, obvious internal stress, emotional and mental stress, is when your body is under stress. We all know that, right? Doctors will tell you that a lot of our, the, the, the things that manifest physically are because internally we're not at peace. And so let me end with this. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest like peace, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus said, come and learn from me. I'm, I'm a learner. I'm, the things I've given out today, I'm like learning. There's a, I'm, I'm learning. Come to me. It's come to Jesus and learn from him. Ladies, moms with your little toddlers running around. The peace isn't quite there because you're just not getting the solitude. <laughs> there's, uh, there's ways. Learn from Jesus. For I am gentle, isn't that wonderful, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now I want to say, even in a church where there's a lot going on, just, just hang on. What is going on? What is going on inside you? Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon him. Why? For he cares for you. There's his reasonableness. Cast it on the Lord because he cares. He will lead you. He will help you. Amen.